Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, 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 the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to figure <laughs> it out. Hello, everyone. Jake here, recovering people pleaser. Uh, and this is Don't Be an Idiot. We have been just kind of walking through, this might be our last one here, just common lies that Christians believe. And so just kind of looking at these things and trying to just shed some light uh, and some truth on places where Christians are just kind of swinging and missing. And so today, the lie is, I don't think God likes me. Mm. And so to kind of help us along here, let's play a game. Have you played Have I Ever? Or have you ever is the game we're going to play. So Caleb's going to lead us through a little game here. Okay, so, so because this is, you're probably playing this all by yourself, and I want to make it look really awkward. So if you're listening to this, go ahead and raise your hand and put it down if you've ever done this. Okay, so we're going to see how long your hand stays up. So hands up. Hands up. Have you ever rolled your eyes at somebody? If you have, your hand goes down. Okay. So have you ever rolled your eyes at somebody? Next, have you ever lied to anyone? I mean, my hand was down at the first one. But <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to get through this. Uh, keep your hand up. Have you ever shed anyone's blood? Have you ever murdered anybody? Not that I no. remember. <laughs> we'll just let that sit. Have you devised wicked plans? <laughs> <laughs> Got a funny story we could go back to about that. Kids, kids devising wicked plans. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever run towards evil? Meaning, have you thought about something that you knew was wrong and still chosen to do it? Have you ever lied about anyone else? So a more specific lie than just lying in general. Have you lied about a person? And have you ever gossiped? Oof. Okay, so. Where'd you make up that list, Caleb? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Where did this list come from? This list, so the premise, the the lie Christians believe that we're talking about is God doesn't like me. Well, this is a list from the book of Proverbs of people God hates. <laughs> it says this in Proverbs 6, starting in verse 16. These are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him, meaning they revolt him. And... By the way, what do you call a person who lies? They are a liar. Like that's this. The, the Bible doesn't divide this out as as cleanly as we do. So here it starts off. I didn't last the first one. It, it it calls it haughty eyes, but that's the rolling of the eyes, the thinking of you're better, that that you're smarter, that you There's know more. There's some pride there. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's that's me. Like I have a lot of pride and arrogance that I'm 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 working through. Right. Don't be an idiot. You're recovering. I'm recovering idiot. <laughs> Idiot in the step program. Yeah. So there is some level of truth here that God doesn't like you. What do you do with that? Well, as I said earlier, a recovering people pleaser, I have spent 33 years, 32 years of my life. Uh, just Did you just forget how old you <laughs> I are? I did. I'm, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, or may or may not have a birthday coming up in less than a month, so I'm going to give myself some grace. Uh, 
Uh, anyway, so I spent most of my life just seeking people's approval and wanting to be liked, uh, from friends to girlfriends, to coaches and teachers, mm-hmm. to bosses. And it has varied degrees of pain in my life, mm-hmm. depending on, on which it is. And at some point, uh, in heaven, when I'm fully sanctified, uh, glorified, then this won't be a problem anymore. Hopefully, uh, we won't be in heaven. I guess let's be clear there. <laughs> if, we're, if we're calling out <laughs> truth here, uh, but it always ends in the wrong place. And and I think this lie, what we need to call out here is if you start believing this, you start acting a certain way and that mm. gets really dangerous. But to illustrate this for us, <laughs> it's been a minute. So Caleb, yeah. please tell us how big of an yeah. idiot you were. How so, old were you? Set, set, set a good so stage I, here. I don't remember exactly because this was... This was <laughs> Trauma, and so I've blocked this. <laughs> I gotta, you gotta stop making fun of trauma. <laughs> Trauma's real, man. <laughs> so yeah, I was elementary school. Uh, I was old enough. I was going to camp. So probably okay, we're calling him nine-year-old Caleb. Uh, probably older, fifth or sixth grade. Okay. Starting to get interested in girls, and it was a girl from my church that was there. She was a cute girl. I I always wonder if she remembers this. Like I still know who she is. I can tell you her name. Uh, we're probably Facebook friends, but um. So we're, we're at camp together and, and, and they divide up like this. It's not like the camp that we go to as a church where you're with your church group all the time. For the most part, I wasn't with like other people I knew from my church. This was our, our except team, for this cute girl, except for this cute girl and her friend who is also from my church. And so what we did was we, we sit down and you're with your team, which was just a mix up of a bunch of different people, boys and girls. And, uh, we did family style meals. So you'd bring, there would be water and juice sitting at the table and then the food would, uh, some different kids would bring the food to the table. We're sitting down family style and eating lunch one day. And I was sitting next to this really cute girl from my church that I liked. And the juice ran out. And she said something about wanting more juice. Well, I looked down at my cup and I still had juice. You had the elixir of life ready for her. I did. It was red fruit punch. It was, <laughs> mm. And my cup was mostly full. So I, very generously, trying to be, you know, truly... Uh, altruistic. Altruistic and, <laughs> and uh, uh, chivalrous was <laughs> yeah. the word I was going for there. Chivalrous, I decide I will share my juice with this cute girl. And this will be the end. <laughs> she will recognize... So, so to be clear, your plan to charm this young girl yes. and instill her heart was to share your juice. Absolutely. And, and not just any fruit punch juice, red fruit punch. So I take my glass and pour it into her glass. This was a brilliant idea in <laughs> whatever age I was. I had drink it. I'm going to be honest. I had <laughs> drink the juice. So. I saw nothing wrong with this. Except it's the height of cooties. In, 10 years old is the height of cooties. In hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, I recognize the flaws in this plan. In the moment, though, she looks at me with nothing but pure disgust and outrage. The 10-year-old. <laughs> and takes her cup and throw dumps it back into my cup. Like I'm talking, it made a gigantic mess all over the table. Like Shaq dunking a basketball. Exactly. Or shooting free throws. Just <laughs> so awkward looking. Just And just the shame and the guilt from this person that I wanted to like me so much. 
that I did something so incredibly, in hindsight, inappropriate. Uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> she overreacted a little bit. Uh, yeah, again. But in your desire 10, for this little girl to like you, mm. you were willing to share cooties, and she was not ready to share those cooties. I, I, I hope that's what it was. Uh, m- I got much better at wooing later in life. We'll, we'll just say that. As evidenced by who I'm with versus... Uh, much better, he says. I, I got better as TBD. a salesman. TD, I, well, TBD. His okay. wooing ability. Uh, she's wooed. Uh, <laughs> so This uh, is post-Valentine's Day. She, <laughs> yes. Perfectly wooed. Um, <laughs> we're going to move towards this idea. Okay, so if we're asking the question, does God like me? Mm. I think it's actually showing as your story did, showing the flaws in the plan. So let's try to get ahead of this yes. and see the flaws before we, we act. Um, this book that we're reading has this, reading was a strong term, this book uh, that <laughs> yeah, we're- To be fair, I don't know that I've read a word I read the book. out of this yeah. book. <laughs> um, this book that I read and Caleb is leaping off of, uh, does a great job of saying, uh, trying to separate the difference between Christianity and other religions. Because yes. other religions, it is the goal to gain the favor of your God. Correct. In right. order to re- Get, receive, receive the blessing. Receive whatever blessing, whether yeah. it be short-term, long-term, eternal-term, whatever mm-hmm. whatever is going to be. Mm-hmm. Whatever that blessing looks like. Is and how so think of all the Greek the Greek stories that we read in college. You know, I mean, like they were going on stories either to fight for a god against a god, trying to gain the favor of the mm-hmm. god, trying to return some whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk about Buddhism, just always mm-hmm. trying to live this perfectly zen is that the right? No, chi? What is it? I'm, I'm messing it up now. But they're trying to gain the favor of their gods. I always get Buddhism and Hinduism. Yeah, Hinduism, I, I've, I'd feel more comfortable because uh, they're like gathering so many, not trying to, they're like the mm-hmm. ultimate people pleasers because mm-hmm. they're gathering all the, oh, if you, if you as a Christian, you went and you tried to preach the gospel to a Buddhist, the first reaction of them are like, oh, I would love to bring the God into my pantheon of other gods. I just mixed a couple of religions there. But Hinduism. Hinduism, Hinduism, yeah. Like, I would love to bring them in on all of these other gods that I worship because mm-hmm. I worship one for fertility and I worship one for good luck and I worship one for mm-hmm. hard work and I worship... The point I'm trying to make here mm-hmm. is all other human religions are constantly striving to gain the favor of their God. Christianity says differently. <laughs> It says, hey, you're never going to gain... Caleb could read the list again. (laughs) You can do nothing to gain your God's favor. There's nothing. You are... uh, James says, hey, if you've broken one law, God looks at you, you're guilty of all of them. Yep. Like, you have... Zero ability to win God's favor, and and all of the all of the other religions. Uh, Muslim is a great one. Islam is a great one. Uh, in that, it's always a little bit of a manipulative thing. You think, especially the ancient religions, um, it was very manip. I will do this for you, and you will do this for me. I'm going to do what it takes to earn your favor, so you bless me. I'm trying to manipulate the blessing out of the God by doing what He wants, and thus earn the blessing. From him. Uh, Islam has the, what's called the five pillars of Islam. And if you do these five things, you will be blessed. Um, I, I'm thinking about Ephesians 2. Um, I've often said that, I don't know if I said this, it sounded really cocky, but it's been said, I, I've heard it said, I've said, um, if you only had a few, the chapter of Ephesians chapter 2, we'd be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a beautiful, rich gospel presentation in the beginning of it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit of that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies. Here's where I want in the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, mm. like the rest of mankind. Mm. That's so, explaining who we are. Yeah. So look at that. It starts with you're dead. <laughs> so you're not making choices. You can do nothing. A dead yep. animal cannot. You're a it's, Satan follower. It's, you're, 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 you're an active enemy of God. Yep. You, you follow the, the, his enemy, uh, the, the opposer. You, mm-hmm. you, so you're opposing God and his purpose. What are some of the others there? Children of wrath. Children of um, Yeah. Basically, you totally enveloped the Proverbs that we just read. <laughs> child, yeah. child of wrath. So does God like you? No, <laughs> because of what you, this is going like putting it back in the story of the Bible. God said, this is, I want you to live as my image and likeness. And every single one of us since Adam have said, no, I don't want to do this. God created this good, perfect world and said, I want you to be my image and likeness for it. And since day whatever, when we, when Adam and Eve said, no, I'm going to choose to live in my own flesh, take the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, bring death to my world. So we, from the very beginning, set ourselves up as those that are death worshipers, death bringers, death followers. Yep. And like, of course, God is the God of life. And so we're, we're his mortal enemies, if you want to. No, I, I love this picture because I want you to think about what other religions are calling their followers to do. And that what God is saying about us. Yeah. And so there is this freedom that we're, he's trying to release us from this idea of like, hey, do, 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 mm. so you can gain my favor. In fact, he's saying, hey, there's nothing you can do to gain my favor. And we have to start there. We have to. So does God like me? Not really. Because you are destroying, you have set yourself up as his enemy. Now, here's the thing. Like you've talked about with all those other religions, they're trying to do to get the blessing. God says, mm, no. I'm going to give you the blessing and then you do. And this is where this is the, the gospel, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, all of the religions say do the Bible says done. And what is that blessing? Oh, set you up with the, uh, it's the eternity. It's the, you're being redeemed back to God. It is his son dying on the cross so that you are being brought back into the fold of God. Yeah, but just pick up, back yeah. up Ephesians. It says, uh, Ephesians 4, or excuse me, 2, 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love, a little foreshadowing here for us, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches, Mm. who he might show, and the immeasurable riches and grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what do you hear? What do you, what, as you read that, how do you, uh, what stands out in contrast to all of those other religions there? Yeah. So it's this idea that not anything that we're doing, but because God loved us and there's mm-hmm. a thousand other verses, it seems like in the Bible that we could quote to, to pull us back there, right? Yeah. Because he loved us, he's going to do or has already done the thing that Caleb is saying, uh, raised us up in the heavenly places to see with him in Christ Jesus mm. is what it said. I love, 
uh, uh, teaching financial peace right now. And there's the, one of them talking about giving one of the lessons talking about giving Dave Ramsey has a great line. He's like, how many of you have had enough kids that you have one that's a little stupid? (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. (laughs) Like they just don't quite get, and, and (laughs) God doesn't like us because we've set ourselves up as his enemy, but he still loves us. This is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. He doesn't like who we are, what we're choosing to do, but he says, in spite of all of that, in spite of who you are, in spite of what you choose to do, according to the riches of his mercy, like you just read in Ephesians, he came and died for us. He gave us the blessing without are performing at all. This is why this question is so icky. Like, so kind of, oh, you. I feel like you're just missing so much of it. The last two uh, it, topics we've had have been kind of hard because there's some, there's way more truth there than, than some of these That's other issues. That's always the best lies anyway. Oh, exactly. Are sprinkled with truth. Wholly agree. Like, it's partly true. God doesn't like you. Yeah. But he loves you, accepts you, blesses you when you were unlovable. When you were dead enemies, uh, children of wrath, he still chose to love you. I just pull this back to human relationships for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, no one wants to be the person or no one wants to be around the person always trying to like, hey, checking, hey, are you good? Are we good? Are you good? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? I'm mad at you. <laughs> I've been that person. So I, I, I can, it, it hurts relationships. And I think about the best friends that I have right now. Now there are points, and we need to be like, "Hey, man, I think I need to apologize. Are we good? Yeah, we good. Yeah, yes." But you sit in those, and you're sh- sure of things. Like I know that this person's got my back. I know this mm. person wants to be around me. Like when Sean and I sit down together on the couch, there's no question of like, "Does she want to be here?" Mm. No, no, no. I get to rest and be sure mm. in the fact that she wants to be here with me, or she would already left. There's truth here for God too. Like God could have dumped us on the side of the road a long time ago. He has it every right at multiple times in the scripture when he's like, hey, I I think I've I've done far exceeded what I needed to. Even as a beloved and loving loving God, I think everyone is not going to blame me for, you know, deucing out right here. But because he made a covenant. Yeah. And the covenant says, I'm going to do this no matter what you do. Mm. Uh, He continues to love us. Let's just go back to that human relationship. What, well, uh, let's take it from the, the other perspective a second. And and maybe you've been in the relationship. Well, I, I guess let me ask this first. Yeah. Have you been in the one in the relationship where the other person is continually questioning your friendship? Has that ever happened? Oh, man. I don't know. Not that I can't remember. Okay, so let's go, let's go from from your perspective where you feel like yeah. you is this true? You have been in a relationship where you felt like you were. Oh yeah, all, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So how did what what was the motivation there? Like why why did you feel the need to to check in so often? It's because it's a lack of assurance in myself, okay, and a deep desire to be with that person. So it's always like so it, it doesn't have to be romantic. Let's just I had a friend yeah, no. in high school that. I remember thinking one day, like, why am I chasing this guy around? Like, he clearly doesn't want to hang out with me. Why am I bending over backwards 
to hang out with him. It was a, mm. it was a nice final like click moment for me. Mm. But the reason was, it was like I wanted things that he had, whether it was reputation or popularity or mm. whatever, and I didn't feel uh, like I could get those without him. And a so, blessing. yeah, it's so stupid. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And so I continued to then try to gain his favor, and he didn't have to do any work in that relationship because why? Because I was doing all of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just it's tough. But for those of you like me who desire good relationships and are just relationally driven, right? Uh, this is going to be a temptation. So there's two things, as you said, right at the beginning there about wh- when you're chasing this guy, that sounds super. Yeah. Chasing after uh, that relationship. Uh, relationship. Yeah. That's a much better way of saying it. Sorry. Uh, that, that applies to us as we, we think about our relationship with God, as we say, God, do you like me? So the first is I don't have what it takes in myself. I don't have anything like uh, I can't do enough to make him like me. And to that, the resounding answer is yes. That's the, that's the, uh, God doesn't like me. There's a, you don't have what it takes in you to make God love you. This is, that's every other religion in the history of the world. Can you make the gods love you and bless you? But the other thing you said was he didn't seem, interested in the relationship. You said it better, more clearly, but it was that idea of, so I couldn't get him to love me. I was insecure about me having what it takes and he didn't seem interested in the relationship. So I was constantly trying to pursue him. And and that's where we have to go and take him at his word. Um, I've, (laughs) sounds cocky. Again, I'm not trying to say this, but I've been on the other side of what I called a very needy relationship where they were constantly checking in. And I'm like, I don't know how many times and ways I can verbally yeah. affirm that I am here. And actually what ended up happening was they drove me away. Cause I'm like, I can't, I don't I, want this anymore. This is so exhausting for me. This person that's constantly not believing what I'm explicitly telling them to the point where it was a self-fulfilling prophecy for them is that I left that relationship because it was, it was so much. And I'm like, I wanted to be friends with them. Just relax, trust what I'm saying to be true and just let, let us have fun together. Let us have a relationship. Now, the beautiful thing here is you're never going to chase God away. That's exactly where I was going. I want to read, you have to catch me here. This, I might be reading this parable in the wrong context, but I'm going to read that in this perspective of the older son and the two sons. Yeah. Um, So you get the prodigal son we talked about last week, running away, Mm -hmm. coming back. You have the older son. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, just set the context. He gets angry. He looks at what happens with his little brother. He gets welcomed back into the fold. He gets angry. Mm. I, I'm, I've always identified with the older son. Me too. <laughs> and, uh, Holy me too. And, he, and for me, it's, this is why. And at 28, it says, but he was, verse 28, it says, but he was angry and refused to go in, the older brother. His father came out to him, which is a beautiful picture of what God does. Mm. 29, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command and you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, hmm. not my brother, came in, you do, he was devoured your property with prostitutes and ki- you killed the fattened calf for him. Hmm. So he's basically saying like, dad, I've been chasing you this whole time. Hmm. This is the other side of that neediness of like, hmm. when the neediness finally gets fresh, like what the heck? And so what I don't like God turns into is, all this, or God doesn't like me turns into is, I don't like God anymore. Hmm. I don't like God. And then here's what God or the father responds back to. Son, you were always with me. And all that is mine is yours. 
He's saying like, I love you. I don't, you shouldn't need this affirmation time and time again. Like the fact that you are my son mm. is enough. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to read things into the scripture, but I think there's a little bit of people pleaser in there of oh, him seeking that out. This is incredibly, because he's speaking this to the Pharisees who are the, God doesn't like me, so I'm going to do everything perfectly. Yeah. I'm going to be the perfect older child. I'm going to, and I think the whole point of the parable isn't the prodigal. I think it's the older son. I think it's both. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he's speaking to a crowd. And in the crowd, there's the Pharisees, who he's talking to. But then there's the everybody else, who's the prodigal son, who mm-hmm. doesn't live up to it. They, they all know that they failed. And then there's the Pharisees, who have kept it all perfectly. Who say, like, why doesn't God like me? And he's like, I do. Why are you? Oh, it, yeah. that, that was great. It's time. a great perspective uh, of the older son. And the call to the Christian is kind of like when I was talking about sitting on the couch of my wife and both mm-hmm. of us being just sure and knowing, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand everyone's marriage is not, uh, it's ups and downs, but in those moments of like, we're good. No. I'm sitting and I'm sure that she loves me. Even going going into marriage, one of the things into the, the marriage, taking that general idea and going to the marriage relationship, it's a term called assumed goodwill. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife or, or husband for, for the wives listening chose you, loves you. They, they, if they're a Christian, they entered into a covenantal relationship with you. Assume that they like you. Now that's not always true. Sometimes that may be a false assumption based off whatever, but generally if we walk into the relationship and assuming they like me, it's going to end with a much more positive interactions nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of a hundred. Then if you walk in assuming that they're questioning your very existence and everything about your relationship, assumed goodwill, the same thing's true of God, but it's not even assumed. It's It's repeatedly stated throughout the pages of scripture. Proven goodwill. Proven goodwill. What more, uh, I'm going to forget, greater love has no man than this, than that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He said, you are not my friends. Now, he says, prove it by going and, and loving others like I loved you. And that's how you demonstrate that to the world that you're my friend. But rest in that return, like we say every week probably, you have to be saturating your mind in Scripture. Have to. Have to be. You know, we started with, what does God say about you? He calls you dead. He calls mm-hmm. you desperate. He calls you lost. He calls you broken. But... When I, when I counsel teenagers specifically, uh, and it seems boys and girls, like this, this is pretty universal. They're coming and they're feeling like, I don't think I'm worthy. And, and I walk them through this. Okay, well, what's the Bible say about us? It says we're dead. It says we're not worthy. It says all of this. And then what's the Bible say about God? He thinks you are. He thinks you're worth something. Uh, and what are you worth? He's willing to give himself up in place of you. So, we have to fight the lies that God doesn't like me. Sure. Like we can talk about what we just talked about. Even when we say God doesn't like you, but he says you're worth dying for. Mm. How many people in your life, Caleb, would you say my life is like their life is worth mine? I'm willing to give <laughs> that up. You, you could probably come up with less than 10. Maybe, maybe it's more, but like we're on with no thought, drop of a hat. Yep. I'm in. 
I mean, family. That would be. Yeah. And, and I just think when you look at what love is, because God doesn't like you, he loves you. I'd much rather be loved than like liked. And that love, you have to be able to sit and rest in those things mm. and say the God of the universe loves me. We could have a whole other podcast on what the definition of love is. We might have talked about it here before, mm-hmm. yeah. where yeah. love is not easy and clean and pretty. Mm. Uh, it's ugly sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's where we are. Caleb is fiercely looking for something. So Yes, uh, I just found it, so thank you. <laughs> uh, it, and it's a quote from the Old Testament. It's a quote from uh, Exodus. But Peter's quoting it, saying, this is who you are. And, and no, it's, it's a quote from Exodus. So nearly the beginning of the nation of Israel, Peter is now saying it to the Christian believers. Uh, Peter is writing in 1 Peter to Christians that are scattered abroad under persecution. And he's saying this is, he's reminding them in 1 Peter chapter 2, who they are quoting from the Old Testament. So it's, it's a great, you are chosen. Just think about that. Think about that in the in the context of marriage. We were just talking about assumed goodwill. Yep. They chose you. Out of all the people yep. you could have possibly married, they looked at you and said, I want that one. And he says, you are a chosen race, meaning God looked at you as the church and said, I choose you. Every single believer, th- that should be a foundational truth for us. God looked at us and chose us and said, I'm going to put my life-giving, rejuvenating spirit, renewing spirit in you. And then he says, you are a holy nation. That means set apart. You, that's who you are. I have chosen you and I've set you apart, a people that are my own possession. Man, you are mine. Not anybody else's. You belong to me. That that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You were once not a people but now you are God's people. You once have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is who you are. The fight here against the lie is not trying to convince yourself. I mean, not being like, does God like me? Eh, not really. Mm-hmm. The lie, what it's what is happening is that it means you're striving to be liked by God. That's what we have to fight against as Christians. Perfect. You cannot earn God's favor, blessing, He gives it to you because he chose you, as I just said. Thanks for listening.